get played premium DLC. Today's episode is you missed out. You, you missed out. <laughs> I'm your host. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Southern Ann Campbell. I'm sitting across the city from Nick, Nick Weiger. Hi, I'm Nick Weiger. You missed out. You missed out. You missed out. That's what this episode is. <laughs> You missed out. <laughs> you missed out. Uh, and then uh, also in this city is Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. You missed out. <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to report. You missed out. Breaking news. You missed out. <laughs> uh, before we get into the into the juice. Into the meat of this one. <laughs> so before we really dig into this stew, <laughs> stew missed out. <laughs> oh boy, we are loopy. We're 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 having fun. Having a laugh, as the Brits might say. We're having a laugh right now. Hopefully, our listeners laugh. are as well. Is uh, do we we don't we don't do. 70 seconds in gaming heaven at the top of these because we don't talk about awful things generally. Right. But I'm wondering, how's your gaming going, guys? Well, I've been, and this will be a little dated by the time this releases, but I am about to go into, I'll, I'll be as as general as I can, I'm a, because I know you're playing it as well, Heather and, and Matt. I'm about to go into what I believe is the final area of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Wow. I'm like 37 hours into it, and I got like the dialogue like, this is, you know, once you go in here, this that's you're there's no going back. I got one of those sorts of warnings. So I was like, okay, I think this is, I got to wrap some loose ends up before I go into this next area. So I think, I think I'm in the end game, but I fucking love it. The, the the combat system really started to click for me um and uh it's uh yeah it's just it's just such a like i i'm just it's such a vibrant and alive feeling game and i find that very very satisfying i how is it going to work when the next chapter of this three four part remake happens like how are you going to transfer your characters your saves, your weapons, your materia to the next section of the game. They can't make you weak again. It wouldn't make any sense unless this game ends with fucking Sephiroth, like stealing all your powers and being like, yeah, when you get out of Midgar <laughs> or whatever the fuck, I don't know where that, I think it ends at Midgar, but you'll have to start all over again. Like if there's a, I hate that. I hope, I hope if I was in the, what do you call it? Boardroom and pitched that, that they would have like walked over and slapped me. Guys, my dog is snoring so loud and I am so self-conscious about it <laughs> because I'm like positive that if it's picked up by the mic, it's just going to sound like I'm farting long and hard. <laughs> Devin, it's all mine out. 
I'm I'm hoping that they will let you import your save or it will be a thing narratively where maybe they will decide that because there is a there is a and this isn't me spoiling anything. This is something that I think is pretty, pretty much out there. The playable cast, uh, the the party members in Final Fantasy seven remake is it, it's it's a much slimmer selection than the ones available in actual Final Fantasy seven. There's a much larger playable roster. So maybe there could be a, a version where. You're starting seven part two with some of the with controlling like one of those new characters who you don't get to play in Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy seven remake part one. I don't know, but I don't know. I mean, hopefully it will have a, a save import if it is just a continuation of the narrative, uh, which is a feature that is present in the game. I will be discussing once we get to it for this week's theme. Uh, Matt, what are you playing? Oh, you mean because we missed out? Because you missed out. <laughs> yeah, Matt, what you what are you playing right now? Well, so I am I'm straddling between games again. I've done this thing to myself. I'm sometimes I'm stranding. Sometimes I'm in Midgar. Sometimes I'm on my little island. But right now, I'm in these streets, and I'm mad as hell. I've been playing Streets of Rage four because I and I asked you guys about it the other day. I'd never played a Streets of Rage. I was like, hey, what is this? You guys gave me some good answers, and I was like, well, it's a new game. All my games are kind of, my, all my games are a little old. They're not new anymore. I kind of want a new game. So then I got a new game, and now I have too many games to play again. But Streets of Rage 4, very fun so far, hard, difficult. Wow. You got to uh, stop all, all those, spinning all those plates, man. You got to narrow down. Just pick a game. Yeah, I, I, That's what I, I really do got to focus. It's, it's a problem that I have. I think you should cross every morning to get your turnout prices and, yes. and get your mail and shit. And then you should strand until that's done. And then yeah. if you like in Streets of Rage, maybe that's like your lunchtime game. Maybe that's like, a oh, mm. I'm just going to play Rage for like 30 minutes. Yeah, because that game is not long. I don't think it's right. made to be super long. Like I, I did pass one of the levels and was like, OK, well, it doesn't seem like there's much more of this. Uh, but uh, it's really fun, and then I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll get to Final Fantasy when I can get to it. But um, yeah, that game's uh, not changing. No, the, the, yes, there. That's what. That's the comforting thing, though, isn't it? They're all yeah. there. They're all there. Well, you know what well, else, I'll say is uh, 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 real quick about Animal Crossing. I found that the time that works for me to play because I'm just I'm just kind of doing maintenance and a little bit of like I'm rearranging some stuff on my island. I'm just trying to make some steady improvements, not putting long hours into it every every passing day. But I will play at like 11.30, 11.45 so I can choice. check turnip prices before noon and then check again right after noon and in the me- meantime do all my plant watering, do all my, my harvesting and so forth. I, really I can't good. believe how much I like that game, guys. It's so fun. Real, it was such real, an interesting turn. Real big turn for me. Yeah, um, I read I read a, an article today. Someone posted a like a, a tier ranking of all the villagers and like a few of my villagers who I really like. They were putting as like C tier or like D tier. And I got really upset. I refuse. I was like, it's, it's such a visceral reaction to it. It's like, how dare you? I'm kicking everybody off my island at every opportunity. I don't have <laughs> any loyalty. I'm like, have yet to meet. I acts here's here, it's an act of rage also because I accidentally kicked off my only favorite villager. 
which is Poncho. Mm-hmm. And Poncho's so cool. I took a photo with Poncho before he left. Like I went to that Harvey Island. And so the only poster in my apartment is Poncho. Because I oh, think about him. That's depressing. You're oh, poor depressing. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we are going to each, we discussed this a little bit in advance. We each have a game that we liked that, that, that connected to, to one of us that the other two have not played. And we are going to give a little bit of a show and tell uh, slash book report slash whatever you want to call it uh, about that game to inform uh, the the you know inform us and hopefully inform you a little bit about a game that we care about that maybe uh you y- you you missed out on you missed out <laughs> you missed out you missed out you you missed out you missed out us does anyone want to start anyone feel strongly about starting or not well I have a question mm-hmm. here's my question I, I've talked about I've got three possible options here for what game mm-hmm. I can talk about. Okay. Uh, one of them I've talked about on on uh, on the show pretty extensively as I was completing it. One I brought up during the music episode uh, and gave a little summary of. And then there's a third one I've never spoken about on the show. Should I go with that one or should I talk about one? I feel like you gotta go. Two? I feel like you gotta go number three. Yeah. That's just All so right. intriguing. Okay. Okay. Then I'm gonna go with number three. Wow. Which is which was actually the first one that I. Uh, that I thought of when we talked about you missed out. You missed out. Uh, you missed out. Do you want to go first, Nick? Do you want Abadaka? Do you want to go first? I mean, I can. I don't mind going first because I feel like I don't have like my game is very was like a very like mainstream title and wasn't like a it's not like a hidden gem or anything. So there's not like too much ground to cover. Right. Um, so I'll, I, I'll go first. The game that I would like to profile was a game that was very influential to me as a as a youth as a it, it was like a um like the middle part of a Venn diagram of my interests and it was you know video games like skateboarding and like jackass so the game that I'd like to talk about is Tony Hawk's Underground 2 you missed out <laughs> by not playing it okay so Tony Hawk's Underground 2, obviously a game in the uh, Tony Hawk franchise. This is one of the ones that is not a under the pro skater um, subtitle. Um, and this is the sequel to Tony Hawk's Underground, obviously, which was like a, a game that was, it was the first time you could get off a skateboard, which sounds crazy. You couldn't get off the skateboard before. Usually the skateboard, in these games or like the, or, you know, in other cases, like a snowboard or whatever, that's just part of your character. You're, you're on it all the time. Right. This one, you can ditch it and walk around and do stuff and ride in like, I I think you can ride in carts and stuff. Um, But so that was on its own as a, what this came out in like 2004. I was like, wow, I never thought we'd get here off the skateboard with Tony Hawk. Um, But the second one, was so much fun for me because it was like a it was like a more extreme version of it, mm. uh, and so like it featured people from the Jackass universe, namely like oh, the yeah. Viva La Bam universe. So it was like Bam, uh, some of those other folks. You got Phil in there. Phil is a playable character. You could skateboard as that Phil rules. Margera in his tidy whities 
and that's just fun. But like the you so you go around from like city to city. The conceit of the game is that like Tony Hawk and Bam are putting on this like um skateboarding like tour that is with no press and so they're just going around the United States basically causing havoc just wrecking havoc across the United States with extreme little stunts and gags and stuff and so you're on Tony Hawk's team which is the greatest how fun that you get to be on his team <laughs> what a dream you get to you're yeah you get to go be on the cool kids team I mean would also like to be on BAMs at that time. Because uh, these are the people you look up to when you're 13 years old. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I... Uh, so you're playing the game, you're doing... And, like, the missions are, like, you have to do, like... I mean, a certain amount of tricks or something, or you have to, like, unscrew, like, uh, fire hydrant stuff, or just, like, there's, like, gross-out gags and stuff, and, like, Rube Goldberg, like, set pieces in the game. It's so fun. And, I I mean, at the time, I don't know how well it holds up, but I thought it was so funny. And, like, I would just play this game for hours and, like, replay it over and over and over again constantly on different difficulties. Probably one of the only franchises I would try to um, pass at every difficulty. Uh, just because I, 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 for some reason, uh, every other video game sort of locked in on the mechanics of like skateboarding video games and, and can just do them. Like I don't ever, right. I'm just very good at those games. Were there, what was, were the, were the undergrounds your favorite of the Tony Hawk series? I loved, I loved underground, but I, and I also, I mean, not to go to another one. I loved American Wasteland also. I don't think it's okay. as good as, um, underground but like there was more fun to do there too but like the the thing about these games too that was so fun is that for the first time you could make your own character like yeah. in the other games you were basically beholden to a pro skateboarder or like a gag character like shrek or darth maul or something uh which skateboarding as darth maul and tony hawk's pro skater 3 rules it is very very fun um but you can make your own character, and like that was fun to sort of like, oh, I want to be in the game skating with my friends Bam and Tony. So like you can give yourself liberty spikes or do then you make a big fashion choice that you wouldn't normally make, uh, and just have a blast doing that. And I think there was like a stats um, element as well, where you could like sort of pick, you know, place your stats accordingly, like how you want like um, your character to be better at certain things, like grinding or ollies. Um, but you know, the two, two skateboarding right. things. Um, but I just, I, I spent a lot. I wish there was like a way to play it now. I don't have, I don't think I have it anymore, but I, I used to just love playing it all the time. And, uh, and you know, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but I've certainly expressed this to you. Uh, Jackass is some of the best art we have. And yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and I, I just love it. And the fact that it was in a game, and I think there was a Jackass video game also, which I didn't ever play. Um, there was. But the fact that uh, I could get a little dose of it in my skateboarding game, what a treat for me as a kid. It's, because uh, I, I played some of the Tony Hawks, but the undergrounds, yeah. by that point, I feel like this, I'd kind of, I, you know, it, it may have been that the series had kind of gotten a little stale and the undergrounds were the, what were the, were them, you know, trying to breathe some new life into it, but I just yeah. never got back into it. But I, I definitely played one and two at minimum, and I mm -hmm. may have rebought one of them for Dreamcast. There, one of them was ported to Dreamcast. I re I remember. I think so. I think that would have been two because I think yeah. I also played two on Dreamcast. 
Uh, but it was a, uh, but yeah, those, I mean, just like the gameplay in those, those series was just so tight and fun. And there's nothing like it right now. Like there's just not a, uh, there's not a mainline skateboarding game right now. There's a new one coming out, Skater XL, which is coming, mm-hmm. I think for all major consoles. Uh, but I, I, it's a, it's a type of video game that I miss so much. Cause it's just like, I could just turn my brain off and freaking shred baby. You get into that kind of trance state, and it's almost like playing a rhythm game where yeah. you're just sort of, you know, doing this this run of tricks, and it's it it's like fun, but also like meditative. Yeah, and it like yeah. had like fun, um, like cheats, like if like when I was a kid, I would like turn on like no gravity, you know, and then see like the highest possible combo I could get, like, and that'd be just the most fun. It has right. like a it has a very Grand Theft Auto aesthetic like if you look at screenshots you're like oh this looks like gta man the old ones that's why it was crazy to me because i was just like oh like i'm not used to walking around i'm used to rolling or doing your your feet were the skateboard yes and now your feet yeah i so that was a that was a game in my uh what i guess early gaming that i that i loved and you know who knows maybe in another life you guys would have enjoyed too yeah, but unfortunately, we missed out. You missed, we missed out. out. Sorry. We missed out. We missed out. Uh, Heather, I'm going to go. I'm going to say mine. Oh, okay. And then I'm going to, I'm going to let you close things off with yours because I, th- I, I think it'll be a, a nice payoff to, to hear your mystery game oh. as the finale. I, uh-oh. That, I mean, we should not. I mean, I feel like I should go now. This is going to be great. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be like what we wanted um the Rise of Skywalker to be. It's gonna oh be my yeah, God. it's, it's <laughs> Uh-oh. all you have to do is exceed the Rise of Skywalker, so the bar is pretty low. <laughs> my game is uh, my game that you missed out on you is missed Wizard out. Wizardry Seven Crusaders of the Dark Savant. This was a an RPG, PC RPG that was first released in the early 90s. Uh, and so a little bit of context here. Wait, mm-hmm. what? what's it called again? I want to look wizardry, at screenshots. That- well, the game is Wizardry 7. It's the seventh Wizardry. Uh, the subtitle is Crusaders of the Dark Savant. It was also re-released as Wizardry Gold, I believe. And it was so basically... A little bit of context for the Wizardry series and PC RPGs at the at at this time. Things had gotten a little stale, and you'd kind of gotten into this 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 rut where all of these these PC RPGs were just kind of you know Tolkien derivative uh, dwarves and hobbits and elves and and warriors slash D and D derivative. Mm-hmm. And they all all kind of were in the same sort of you know medieval um, set high fantasy setting, and the gameplay had gotten a little bit of stale as well. And so this uh, this designer named David David W. Bradley got handed the reins of the Wizardry franchise, which was you know a long running franchise, kind of the one of the considered you know the original uh, PC RPG. Um, and uh, and uh, with with Wizardry Six, Bane of the Cosmic Forge, and Bane of the Cosmic Forge was like the first departure from kind of the Wizardry formula, which was just just a straight up dungeon crawler. You're you're in a dungeon the whole time, 
uh, Wizardry 6, you're also in a dungeon the whole time, but it started to add elements that made it feel a little bit distinct and a little bit more um, creative as opposed to, you know, again, this this sort of uh, high fantasy uh, pastiche that a lot of these the, the rest of the genre had fallen into. And what I mean by that is they vastly expanded uh, the 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 kind of the playable races and playable classes beyond just your your elves and your um you know your half elf uh, mages and your uh, your dwarven fighters and your mm-hmm. hobbit thieves uh they introduced <laughs> they introduced races like um uh like a, a like lizard man and fairy and draken which was like a dragon character raw wolf which was like a dog like character felper which was a a cat like character um these were kind of like you'd start, you'd start to see uh, these the 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 races and the classes that were established in this game would later appear in and, and that would start to establish this as a precedent where it would start to appear in like the the Morrowind series, the Elder Scrolls series rather, um, and you'd see those sorts of of characters, uh, the professions, the classes that you'd have beyond you know your fighters, your mages, your rangers, your bards. You have you had a psionic, you had an alchemist. An alchemist was like a, a fun novel thing because an alchemist could not be silenced mm-hmm. because he's just mixing potions. Um, you had a Valkyrie, you had a bishop, you had a lord. A lord was specifically like a a a you know kind of akin to a paladin, except he was good at diplomacy, which was a skill set that was important in this game because it had a lot of NPC interactions, which was another thing that was pretty novel at the time. Uh, and you had a samurai, a monk, and a ninja, and so it was like this. And then in addition to that. It also had some elements which you might see in a, a more commonly in a JRPG, uh, a, a, some steampunky elements. Like one of the non-playable uh, races that's a an interested par- party in the plot of the story is the Umpani, who is a, a like a steampunk uh, rhino race. And then there's a, there's also like spaceships and shit. It's just so it's like such a crazy imaginative world. Um, that also a, another narrative element here is that the so the you had the Umpani, which were these these mm-hmm. rhino steampunk characters. You had the Terang, which were these like spider creatures, uh, these anthropomorphic spider creatures. You had the Dane, which were like these blue lithe uh, mage race that was also super duper horny. Like there's literally like a scene where you go into the Dane Tower and they're having a fucking orgy and it's just like insane. Sounds like um, Dane and- Cook's house. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> so it's just a really like this was just such an and and then also the gameplay uh it wasn't just you know uh, this was the first wizardry game that had an open world uh where you had an overworld where actually you weren't just in a dungeon you actually could go you know could could travel uh through the uh you know through a a, a fucking forests and and uh over bridges and shit Wow. And you guys know what the outside's like. Uh, I've kind of <laughs> forgotten. And and it also did things like like so uh, you know, it had an auto map feature, but the auto map was tied to one of your character in the party's cartography skill. So if your your character was a better cartographer, it would construct a better auto map. And like just it was just like little features like that that were all all these different innovations. Cool. Some of them worked more than others. Um, like as part of the plot, like all these different factions were competing for artifacts. And so if you weren't like prompt enough in one leg of the journey, like 
another guy, uh, you know, another faction, an NPC would beat you to an uh, a, a key item that you need for the for the game, and then you just wouldn't have that, and that would le- like kind of lead you towards a a, a bad ending. Um, but it, it it just tried all these different things. It took so many big swings. A lot of it worked, a lot of it didn't. But it was a very memorable, uh, cool game, and just so creative. And it really set the table for a lot of uh, Western RPGs that followed. And so I think it's like a game that's good to even if you don't want to play it because it's fucking huge and and it you know it has it looks like a game that came out in 1992 even though there have been there was the remake. Um, it, it's I think it's a it's an interesting game to make yourself aware of uh, because of just all of the fascinating systems um, and uh, and various innovations that it offered to the genre. Wow. There's and Wizardry Seven, cool. Crusaders of the Dark Savant. That's my that's my game. You missed out on. <laughs> There's a I, I missed out. There's a screenshot here that looks like a, a raccoon or a, a chipmunk could be in your party. Is that a yeah. mod, or you could have like a little chipmunk mage following so you they around? Ha- so that I believe is the the race that was the um, the mook, which was like kind of like a a Chewbacca like character. Oh. It was a it was kind of a weird uh furry just a fur covered character. But yeah, I th- I think that's probably what you're looking at. Maybe you, you could be looking at a Raw Wolf, which is the uh which is the dog like race. I mean it looked like a little chipmunk. Well maybe there's a fucking chipmunk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really cool, Nick. I I do feel like I missed out on this. For real. I'm not being sarcastic. I want my tone of my voice to match my intention. You're, <laughs> <laughs> You're rolling your eyes and doing a sort of get a load no, of this no, guy no, no, kind no, of thing. No, no. I think it's really cool, man. The Wizardry um, series, weirdly, like very big in Japan. It's one of the Western series that got that got a huge following, and they they developed a bunch of of Japanese. Uh, there were a bunch of Japanese developed Wizardry games. Um, say similar for the Mar- Might and Magic franchise. There are some some Might and Magic games that were. Um, uh, 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 that 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 came about as a result of its of its popularity overseas, but Wizardry first for some there's a bunch of dungeon crawlers that were Japanese developed that I think are that I've never played, but I'm very interested in. Well, that sounds great. Is it time for me to tell you what you guys missed out on? It's time, I- Heather. <laughs> it's All right, time. here we go, guys. Here's how you missed out. There's this game called Super Mario Brothers. That I know uh, you guys haven't played. Okay, uh, this is it's yeah unstoppable. It's so good. You uh, play boy, as a plumber weird. named Mario. Oh no. <laughs> okay, you do. You seem to have basic facts wrong. Um, I've played that game. We both played this. We did not miss out on this. <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> you can eat a rose, and it makes you spit. Roses at people. <laughs> no, now you don't even understand the game. It sounds. <laughs> and if you get if you get hit by a star fragment, uh, your body starts on fire, and you can just run through everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's a logical explanation for what's happening, but I don't think. <laughs> um, so the game that I'm bringing to the table <laughs> is a little-known game called Super Mario. No, is uh, <laughs> uh, so in the early days of the DS. Uh, when everything was still like hooked up on the gimmicks of the game of the machine itself, there was a game called Lost in Blue. Uh, Lost in Blue is if you took Animal Crossing 
and you added death. So like you're on an island and you have a companion and the two of you wake up every morning and the clock is ticking. You have to get food, you have to get water and you have to make shelter. And if you don't do those things, you die. And it was so hard. It's (laughs) so hard not to kill these kids. It's a sequel to a Game Boy uh, color series called Survival Kids, (laughs) which (laughs) sounds like a fake pitch. It was, uh, but Lost in Blue was like, uh, you, you, uh, let's see if I, it came out in uh, 2005, uh, and you played as a, a a guy who finds a girl on the beach, and so you had to find like conch shells in the in the sand, and in order to find them, you would have to use the stylus to scrape sand off of the bottom screen, which was a cool feature. Uh, I think you started fire by by rubbing the stick on the screen and blowing into the microphone, wow. so you felt like you were actually starting a fire. The game eventually opens up and there are like puzzle elements and a mysterious part of the island that uh, that has like a, a forgotten city. And then there are other people on the island that you discover. I'll, I'll own up to the fact that I never made it to those parts of the island because wow. I died every single time I played <laughs> oh this <gosh>. game. <laughs> I, I didn't look up any cheats. I was just like this I must just, it must just be resource management. It must just be something I'm doing wrong. I think at one point you get a coconut, but I did, and maybe I'm misremembering, maybe I'm conflating the movie with Tom Hanks uh, with the game Lost in Blue, but I swear you couldn't open the coconut at first because you had no way of like opening it. And like the music would change based on how hungry or weak you were on the island. <laughs> so it would get sadder and sadder as the day went on and would give you would gave me so much anxiety as a player because yeah. I was like, I don't I don't I can't find any fucking food. I can't find any conch shells to <laughs> scoop out to feed. And also you had to divide the food between you and this girl in a coma, right? Oh my so gosh. like wow. So you'd be like, well, she can't look for any food because she's still in a coma. At some point she wakes up, but she can't look for any food. So so I give her less food than I need because I have to go map this island to find mm-hmm. more food. It it was I know I'm I'm saying you missed out and you did miss out. You but it was out. an extremely stressful, lonely, weird, like death based animal crossing. Um, it sounds like the kind of game we all could use right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it also had like a like a hint of primitive technology. Like you could up, mm. upgrade your uh, your uh, fire starter, and then you'd use like a bow fire starter, and that would work better. Um, I mean, I, I it also was randomized. So, like, if you start up a new game, it's not like you can go to where the fish were or the cops right. were in the other playthrough. So, like, every... I mean, the first game I emulate when I load up a DS emulator is always Lost in Blue. Wow. Because I'm <laughs> wow. still, to this day, slightly obsessed with the game. 
And Survival Kids is the funniest game I've ever. <laughs> uh, what you were um, saying about about the uh, about that game actually made me think of something else in another thing in Wizardry Seven that was a, a just a, like an interesting, just a new interesting mechanic um, uh, that again was kind of novel for for RPGs at the time. So you, you, we all know status effects from RPGs. You got your sleep, you got your blindness, you got your poison, you got your paralysis. But they introduced an, uh, they introduced something in this game, and there was a status effect that was disease. And the way disease worked is it w- it was like a it was like a a you know a, a it was like something you had that would last a long time that you had to find a cure for. And at first, you weren't seeing any negative effects. But if thing if it went on, the symptoms would worsen. So your character would gradually like lose their mind or become less effective, and eventually they would they would if they died from it and you resurrected them, they would just die again because the disease would the disease would just ravage their bodies. So like it was a thing. It was just like a ticking clock where if you didn't cure it over you know a period of of hours of gameplay eventually your character would be gone forever. And it was just like another like, oh, this is such an interesting thing. This isn't just an effect that you have to get a potion for to cure. Uh, you, you have to like go to some more elaborate lengths to take care of this. Ah, so you were saying that this is a good game to be playing right now? <laughs> this one and Lost in Blue, both, both perfect for our current climate. I feel like if anybody's going to take anything away from this episode, it's that you should try Super Mario Brothers. It's an excellent <laughs> game. If you've never played it, it's a lot of fun. I would I mean, say I'd play it over any of these. If you if you have not played Super Mario Brothers, you, you missed, missed out. out. <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> Uh, hey, that'll that'll do it for this episode. Of How did this get played? Premium DLC edition. You missed out. You missed out. You missed out. And you missed out. 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 And we are out of here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>